0: We just live right now, man. It's going down, sided for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins.
1: On the streets of old Milwaukee
0: was a young boy walking. Somebody needs to take this mic away from you. You never need to hold it again. It's always a hater in the group. Hello and welcome again to episode, I believe it's 39 of the BrewHoop podcast and as per usual, when one of us between Riley and myself are leading off, that means Adam's not here. Adam is stranded on some island somewhere, uh, probably with a drink in his hand. So, hope you're enjoying that, Adam. <laughs> it's not like a bad
1: <laughs> stranding. This is a positive, like in the best way possible, he's stranded on a tropical island somewhere. So, he is yeah. not in danger. No worries there. But, yes, <laughs> this we is hope not that a lost there.
0: situation. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. His plane did not go down. It would be strange if he's giving us updates, like, and <laughs> playing it off really nonchalantly if that was the case. But as far as we know, Adam is enjoying himself, but he is gone again this week. Yes.
0: Yes. So that voice right there is Riley Feldman once again. Um, so we got almost the usual crew as usual, but today we're gonna recap the Western Conference road trip, uh, other than the Oklahoma City Thunder game. Um, let's just say we didn't want to record at nine p.m. on Sunday night. So we're just gonna assume the Bucks win and Chris Paul does stuff that everyone's gonna say the Bucks to trade for Chris Milton for, and I'm gonna roll my eyes and post another gif of Bucks Twitter.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um I, I think before we even get into the game previews and or the game reviews, I should say, one of the things that I have in our outline here is the Chris Middleton rant to end all Chris Middleton rants. Now, this this will not eclipse your Malcolm Brogdon rant of last week because that would be nigh impossible. Um, the only thing that I wanted to come into this podcast and start with is how do I word this? It's it's not so much that I think people are being dramatic and rolling their eyes at like people who are upset with the way Chris played, especially at the end of the Utah game. Um, The only thing I want to set the table for right now and the rest of the season is last year, given the circumstances, I didn't really get on Chris's case all that much because one, he was being decently paid two, he was pretty important to the way the team played three. He played pretty well this year. I think it would be, totally valid and it's i know it's just simply a matter of his contract looks a little bit different but i'm not going to be as upset if people are really giving him the business when he's kind of faltering in those sorts of situations like at the end of the utah game because he is our max player and when you're a max player especially at the amount of money that he's making with how much experience he has we have heightened expectations for what that means and unfortunately from the very get-go we kind of knew this going in the type of player chris is is not very alike to your typical max player like a Giannis. like you know name any of the guys out there who have maxes that are generally identified as like the ball dominant star who kind of does a little bit of everything their teams revolve around them and if you have a second max player you kind of hope maybe they're not exact replica but they can kind of do a lot of extra things that make them super valuable and while chris is still valuable totally get why people are upset with him um i do not think anybody needs to be like get off of chris's back because he's got like the counting stats because he always gets the counting stats i think it's fair to be upset um and that's really all i really wanted to say so i'm not i'm i guess it's not even a rant it's more so i just want to temper both sides of the chris middleton debate because it's a long season yes it's upsetting and I would hope that both sides would not go for each other's throats. But as we saw last year, <laughs> they tend to pretty frequently, understandably, and it's going to be even more so now. But I want to give uh, Chris and everybody else credit. It, we got through like 10 games without everybody killing each other over them. So pretty impressive uh, patience from everybody.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I think Dan Schaefer had a tweet where it said, "Who, if you had game nine for when Bucks Twitter were completely have a complete shit show, um, collect your money. And I think I said by game four, so I was wrong. Um, I missed the Utah game, which was kind of a good thing, but I rewatched it. And yeah, I mean, when Chris Milton makes that mistake at the end, I think it's fair to lambast him for it. Um, You can't be making those kind of mistakes whatsoever, especially at that type of moment. Um, And then the defense, which allowed Boyan to be open for three. You, You know, those are two... Back-to-back plays, you know, instead of – it's almost a six-point shift almost. Because I mean, we don't know if Chris makes that shot, but at the very least, it would have taken time off the clock, and Utah most likely wouldn't have gotten that final shot as well. Yeah. If he makes it, great, and then you go to overtime. But if you miss it, most likely it still goes to overtime. So that's kind of the swing in that regards. Um, otherwise, I mean, he shot the three ball really well. I think it was like five of eight from three, even though he took 22 shots, which – you don't love to see that happen, but I mean, it was. <laughs> but everybody offense, was struggling. The first half was
1: a struggle bus for everybody.
0: Everyone had struggles. Like Giannis took 22 field goals. Chris took 22 field goals. Bledsoe took 20 and no one else had more than eight. So it's kind of tough when, yeah, you don't love. The, you see eight of 22 from the field. They're like, oh, my God, what? what is this? What happened? And then you kind of look and it's like, well, he was five of eight for three. So you can't. Be too upset with that shooting, and like I said, with how much of a struggle it was in the first half. I mean, yeah, Chris has got to be better, but he was one of the few guys who was able to get anything going offensively. But yeah, it's like what you said: when you're a max player, your expectations are going to be higher, and that's just the way it is. But I don't think we need to be saying that we should have the Bucks should have signed Boyan instead of Chris <laughs> Nelson, which is. That's when I decided to tweet the gif of me just sitting there looking disappointed at everyone, and I think I said it's like, this is the 15th time Bucks Twitter has imploded on itself and it's only game nine.
1: That was a really, you're right, I, I really don't remember Boyan Bogdanovich. I mean, part of it was, it was kind of a fait accompli that Chris was going to be coming back, but I do not remember Boyan's name being linked to the team whatsoever. And I feel like it
0: was maybe like thrown out there as like a potential replacement, but it was just so absurd because Boyan is not even close to a caliber player Chris's that it was kind of just like a this is really dumb. Okay, I'm not gonna
1: give it any thought. <laughs> yeah, I mean Boyan's good. Don't don't get me wrong. Obviously, I think he's deserving of and he showed it in the game against the Bucks, but I, I think when comparing the two Tough, just because obviously I I find it difficult to compare one player in one situation to a player in a completely different situation, especially with the way Utah plays. But I think one final note on Chris at the end of the game there. It it's not so much. There were a lot of different circumstances, and I know, like I said, when you are a max player, you have ideas, or we as fans have an idea of what exactly we expect from you, and so. Looking at those final couple of sequences, one that the Bucks got back into it whatsoever, we have to give a huge credit to Giannis because I think he went into went into halftime with two points. It followed out with I think it was I don't know how many minutes was like two three minutes left in the game. It it looked like a pretty hopeless situation, but he fouls out with then thirty points, thirteen rebounds, and four assists. I mean, have a show, Giannis second half crazy. And then if Chris, for example, if that loose ball foul on I think it was Rudy Gobert, Chris. Sinks the free throws, which we've seen throughout the season, is never a given for any of the Bucks. So he gets those, which put the Bucks into position. And then the other thing is, how much of the issue with the way that final play went down is, one, you don't have Giannis out there. It's a tie game, so you don't even need to get a three necessarily. So you, you lose Giannis's gravity because he just got fouled out. Um, and two, how much of it was like a tactical error on Bud's part? Because... It wasn't all that. It, it seemed like Utah guessed pretty quickly exactly what the Bucks were going to do. And again, maybe that has something to do with the fact that Chris, one way or another, he has this reputation, uh, deserved or otherwise, for the past couple of seasons as the clutch guy. And he's your other max player who is out there. So maybe there's a bit of a feel like, you know, we we have to go to him because he is the guy. And when that's the case. It, it seemed pretty easy for Utah to shut that down and and then obviously it was uh magnified by the fact that chris was chris's guy was the one who made the game winning shot on the other end on like the exact same sequence just flipped to the other side so it, it the fact that the bucks were close at all is a, a salute to how good the team or how well the played team played in the second half it just sucks super super hard when you make that big of a comeback lose and then lose in the fashion that they did. So I I think it was a perfect storm that of course was going to set off the powder keg. And I believe last season, the road game against the jazz where the bucks started like every seven footer on the team and they walloped the Jazz in the first half, and then they end up losing the game. I believe everybody lost their minds after that game as well. I'd have to go through my Twitter. So this is a very common occurrence, and the Bucks are now 0 for 18 in the last 18 appearances in Utah. So none of this is super unexpected, but that doesn't make it any less frustrating.
0: Yeah, considering going into that last minute, the Bucks were down 6, and they somehow were even able to get the game tied, because I think Bledsoe, I think Gobert missed some free throws, and then Bledsoe got a bucket. Uh, I think George Hill got a steal, and then Sterling Brown was able to get another layup, and Boyan missed the three, which I don't know. That was a weird situation. Like, he missed the three, Bucks get the ball, and then Rudy Gobert gets a loose ball foul. Chris makes both of the free throws, and then George Hill gets another steal, and it's like, this game was (laughs) Like, every time I thought this game was going to be over in the fourth quarter, it just seemed like the Bucks seemed to have some kind of you know whether it's a big play or steal or layup, um, yeah, c- and yeah, considering how bad that first half was offensively, you got uh, they only had thirty five points, so to score, what was it sixty five in the second half, including a thirty nine point third quarter. You, it, it's good that the Bucks at least got themselves back into the game. It's just like said, it's just frustrating when Chris Middleton had it, he traveled when he kind of unnecessarily needed to. Try to draw the foul and then he loses boy on who hits the game three in the corner. It's just, it's annoying, but you know, it is what it is. And yeah, it seems like every time the Bucs play in Utah, there's something that something weird happens in that game. I I think every time it's always a weird situation, whether it's the Bucs have their worst offensive game of the season or you go with seven footer only lineups and still somehow keep it close. Or in this case, it's just you have a Everything that went wrong did go wrong.
1: Especially in that first half. And and again, this is... It was the reverse of everything we've seen the rest of the season where first half for a lot of the games, especially the losses to Boston and Miami... The Bucks were totally on fire from three in the first half. Like every single shot was going in. They were making like, oh, they're going to the half. 12 of 15 from three. Like, wow, this is crazy. It was the exact opposite in the first half of this game, which is why I was so frustrating because not a single guy besides, I think Chris started out three for four from three. Um, so whatever, he went two for four in the second half. And then Brooke, I think, maybe made a three as well. But otherwise, that was about it in terms of actual dynamic scoring the Bucks were doing and all the other threes. I'm not going to say Chuck Fest, but pretty similar feeling to a lot of the games we've had so far. So when you have that happening, you have Mike Conley for the first time all season finding a shot and I think he ended up with 20 points, but he was crazy hot from outside. And there wasn't even, I don't think it was anybody really blamed there. He just kept, they kept feeding him the ball and that was that as they kept going in. And then of course, Boyan in the second half, he kind of takes over from Mike Conley and he's also hidden from everywhere. There were a lot of timely baskets on his part. And obviously the most important one at the very end. And so I think, like you said, there's no such, there is no such thing as a moral victory, um, especially in the NBA. And you will look back on this game and probably not even remember much of what happened, but I think, There were signs, at least in the second half, where it's like, okay, this isn't – they still have the ability to come to life when they put their minds to it, when they kind of change things a little bit, when Giannis gets going, who would have guessed? Everybody else kind of gets going, and so I I think there were still signs or things that you could see where you feel positive about it, even if you come away with a loss, and yeah, it's annoying because you get close, but after the games against the Timberwolves and against the Clippers, kind of two pretty impressive wins – it it just makes that final loss a little bit more bitter. So,
0: yeah, it kind of makes it frustrating that you could have stolen that game, considering how things how poor things were, and to go three and zero in this road trip heading into the OKC game that would have been huge. So, it it's frustrating, but yeah, there's no such thing as moral victories that we will most likely forget about in a week or two. So, it it stinks, but at the same time, yeah, like we said, a lot of things that went against you did. Donovan Mitchell didn't have a spectacular game. I think he only had like 19 points. He was eight of 22 and the jazz bench just did not, they were incapable of doing anything. I think they only scored 12 points total. So compared to only, the Bucks bench, which didn't do that much more, but it just seemed like the Bucks bench made more plays than the jazz bench.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm looking at it right now. Um, they only went, the no, jazz only went nine deep. That's pretty impressive. I mean, I think that was kind of the feeling when they were going into the season that the rotation was the biggest question for them. But the fact that they were able to kind of gut that out, uh, I mean, they ran a lot of the starters like 38 minutes for Bojan, 38 for Donovan Mitchell, 37 Royce O'Neal, 37 Rudy Gobert, another 32 for Mike Conley. And a little bit different besides Chris and Giannis for the other side. So I, I think there was a lot of, especially in the first half, a lot of just kind of grasping as Charles like, all right. And you go out there, like even DJ Wilson, God bless him. He got two minutes in the first quarter. So I, I think a lot of different, a, a pretty fluky game. It feels like overall. And yes, it's unsatisfying to say that, but there is nothing stylistic that stylistically that we saw that the jazz did besides Rudy Gobert being a really good defender, really frustrating for Giannis and everybody who, You know, I don't clown on Rudy all that much, but a lot of people like to clown on Rudy because uh, Giannis does via dunking on him all the time and credit to him in the first half, at least that was not the case. And so, uh, you know. I don't know. I, I I don't come away from it as the guy who was doing the Twitter and doing the rapid recap for the game. I can tell you that it was frustrating that the Bucks decided to dig themselves out of a twenty point <laughs> at half, but it was a lot more fun to watch them tear up somebody else's twenty point uh, lead than lose their own twenty point lead. So, positives, negatives, neutral game, loss, annoying, and hopefully they'll rectify it with a game or a win against the Thunder and make this trip three and one to come out of it.
0: Yeah, doing the Twitter and recap is the worst combo to try, especially when a game like that happens. I think I had one for Summer League, and I was like, are we really going to have this kind of close game where I type everything up for Summer League game, and then I have yeah. to redo it? That's the worst, but... Triple OT. You're like, this is awful. It's like, why is this a thing? <laughs> but, yeah, we did mention the other games. Um, so, as a recording, uh, they, are, they have two and one. So, they won on Monday in the weirdest rim gate situation I've ever seen with a 134-106 win against the Minnesota Timberwolves. I think we need to start with that. I don't know what, if for anyone that didn't watch that game, the rim was bent. So then they had to delay the game and try and fix it. And I'm sorry, but trying to put a bunch of, you know, 40, 50-year-old, slightly overweight Minnesota men to try and fix a rim probably isn't a strategy for success. And then they tried bringing out the replacement and the replacement was also defective. So they went back to the original one. Somehow they were able to fix it. And the game that was supposed to start at 7 o'clock didn't start until 8 o'clock. And that was, I think that was a good description of how this Minnesota game was. The Bucks got off to a fast start. They played pretty well. Minnesota didn't have Carl Anthony Towns. So it was a lot of Andrew Wiggins, ISO, and taking a bunch of jump shots along with Robert Covington. Being able to hit every three-pointer that he was willing to take, but besides that, Eric Bledsoe was an ensemble force early for Milwaukee. Giannis kind of picked it up later on. Chris was okay, but I it was pretty much just Milwaukee had much more talent, and Minnesota, without his best player, kind of becomes a little bit more one-dimensional and defensively just was not able to stop anything Milwaukee did. So I don't know what your thoughts were on that game really. I think the weirdest thing for me was still that whole rim gate situation
1: yeah so uh for everybody who listens weekly and was really hoping for an update i did not go to the game um just other things came up and so i ended up being pretty lucky in that i didn't have to sit around in the stadium for an hour and hang out with all the minnesotans uh so (laughs) that's good i suppose yeah it, it there's there really wasn't a ton that was remarkable it was the most remarkable thing from the game was just how good the bucks were especially in the second half um the first half i mean minnesota kept pace for the most part uh, especially offensively i I don't think it was going to sustain itself when they didn't have uh, carl anthony towns out there for them but looking at it i think the thing that's is most obvious in this case and once more they didn't have full health for them for the timberwolves but When you have all three of Giannis, Chris, and Eric playing well, which they did in this game, we see how much of a difference that is because you all of a sudden are blowing a team out by almost 30 points. And it makes things a lot easier on both the coaching staff and everybody else around you when all three of those guys are going instead of one, who is usually Giannis. He's pretty reliable to at least get something going one way or another. And then it's kind of a coin flip whether or not Chris or Eric is going to show up. And so in this game once it happens, like once every 10 games or so, but for this game in this game alone, both Chris and Eric also played well, that makes things a lot easier on Giannis that makes the, the offense flow a lot better. Uh, defensively, Eric, he, he did pretty good job against Jeff Teague, um, all things considered. And I think Jeff was doing, he, he's had a pretty good season so far and that ends up translating into an opportunity to run all 13 guys who suited up for the game out onto the rotation. Um, Pretty impressive to get that kind of lead where that happens to be uh, a possibility. So, you know, when you are playing a team that's shorthanded and we'll get to this with the Clippers as well, it's difficult to really come away and say, is this something that's indicative of how good the Bucks are? Or was this more so just a case of we happened to come up against a team when they didn't have a guy available? That's just kind of the nature of the regular season. But besides the fact that they stomped out a Minnesota team that up until that point was having a pretty solid start to the season, uh, you know, not bad. Not a bad way to start the road trip off and then get to the Clippers and you get another win there. It's seemed, which was what made the Jazz game that much more annoying because you come away with these 2 you're like, oh, we're doing pretty good, and then you kind of lay an egg. So...
0: Yeah, and I think with even if Carl Anthony Towns was playing, I don't think defensively Minnesota would have been able to stop Giannis. It seemed like every basket that he got was a dunk or a layup. It, it seemed like all of his points were in the paint, and when that happens, you're not going to be able to stop them. Um, but yeah, Eric Bledsoe, like I said, he started off fast early. I think, I think he had at least like ten or eleven within the first quarter. He was just getting every single layup that he wanted. Every-
1: Every shot was going through like for whatever reason, the very first cup, this is kind of almost like the Orlando game where every position was like, we're just going to go through Eric. Like he just happened to be the guy who got the assignment to do that.
0: Yeah, I mean, he was great. And then Chris Milton kind of came on at the end because I think each of them had at least 20 points. And then you kind of look at the bench and um, our boy, Dante yeah, DiVincenzo, yeah, Yes, <laughs> 17 points seven rebounds, which I had to double take. I was like, seven rebounds. Yep, seven rebounds. And he was three of four from three, six of 11 for the field. And, man, he just looked – that was the best game Dante has had in his career. He looked good with the ball in his hands. He was able to – I think he had, like, one little crossover with the dish. It was – oh, that was Dante at his finest. And I think that's what – you know, when the Bucks drafted Dante last year, this is the kind of play that they were hoping from him is he could come off the bench – can kind of be that lead guard when needed. And he was able to hit some shots defensively. He was doing a great job. And Jake Lehman and Shabazz Napier, um, he's skying in for rebounds. It was, I, I know that the bench did a good job overall. You know, defensively, they were all fantastic. None of them really did anything offensively. Um, kind of like we said, they were able to get there, get everyone in the rotation some minutes. Um, Minnesota. They kind of are throwing guys like Shabazz Napier and Jake Layman off the bench. It's like they're they're fine, but they're not. You know, for a team like Minnesota, it makes sense, but they they most likely wouldn't be playing if they're on the box. And it's kind of weird because I think Minnesota's best players overall, other than Carl Anthony Ta- Talents, is probably Josh Okogie, and he's coming off the bench as well. And he he didn't have a good game either. He was only one of six from the field. But yeah, I think that was just a showcase game for Eric. Giannis and Chris to have their, to just show that when they're good and they're able to get whatever they want, Milwaukee's offense is unstoppable. And then you can have a guy like Dante come off the bench and just do whatever he wants as well. It's kind of great to see. And yeah, even if, even if it is a shorthanded win, it's still, it was still a win that Milwaukee needed to have, especially after the previous week where they kind of left things a little bit close with Toronto and blowing the game against Boston and, you know, not looking great against Orlando for the short bit. So to have a start to finish. It never really felt like they're going to blow the lead or anything. It kind of felt like he, as long as they were at least five points ahead, it was they are always going to win. It felt it was one of those comfortable wins, even after, even at times that Minnesota were able to trim down on the lead.
1: Yeah, I think, and this is a situation where the Milwaukee's defensive scheme works so well, where when you have Gorgie Jang out there as the lead center, just because. I mean god bless him all 62.5 million guaranteed shout out Gorky Jangs agent that's amazing work on his part but when you when you when you have him out there like nobody's going to mistake him for being some sort of offensive juggernaut which is fine there's just it's not what he's there to do um it makes things so much easier for the defense to be like okay we can key in on this one guy because we don't have to worry about the roll guy going up for an alley oop and that's it's it's not really like Jeff Teague's game, for example. Andrew Wiggins, he kind of lives a little bit in the mid range, but yeah, as as we've seen throughout his entire career, he can be a little inconsistent, kind of numbers, but it's a lot of uh, a lot of flavorless numbers. It's, it's not a lot behind it. So this kind of situation sh- should have and it up, ended up kind of pouring out this way. The fact that stylistically speaking, when you don't have Carl Anthony Townsend out there to be a threat from the top of the key, kind of dictating the offense. Um, when the bucks come up against a ke- a team that has kind of below average or even just league average center play, that's a little one dimensional. It makes things a lot easier for everybody. So not surprising that, I'm getting the win uh, first half, close, second half, not so much. And uh, you know, if we saw in the Clippers game, for example, that the exact antithesis where we have a guy like Montrez Harrell who is such a good offensive player. And he made the Bucks payable. we can talk about that in a minute. So, it, not too much else to take away from the Timberwolves game other than other than good for not blowing it. Good job, Dante. Uh, career high. He's already beat his career high points twice this season. So, uh, an, an auspicious start for the big ragu. I think that does that. Does that finish uh, Dante's inferno officially for this this podcast?
0: I think so. I think so. We'll probably have to just have a new bit for Dante's inferno. But good on him and good on the Bucks for. Getting the win against Minnesota because I always like it when a Wisconsin team beats a Minnesota team. I'll let you have your go for a moment later on in the yeah, app.
1: So, in the miscellaneous <laughs> section. Yeah.
0: I will let you have it. Uh, but. We did mention the Clippers game that was on national TV. Uh, more talk about Kawhi Leonard not play due to load management or not load management, depending on if you have stock Rivers, the Clippers, or the league.
1: <laughs> Let's let wait. Do you want to hit that real quick? Because I think the world needs to know our opinions. How did you feel about Kawhi Leonard sitting out the game? Were you offended? Were you? Did you? I was did it seem so like a state
0: on your offended. It, it was insulting. No, I, I honestly don't have any issue with load management, just because. It works. It clearly works, as you saw last year. Like Kawhi Leonard is not capable of playing an 82-game season plus the playoffs. He's just not able to do that. And even when he was a low-advantaged last year, he was still struggling in the playoffs, especially when he got to the Eastern Conference Finals and the NBA Finals, that he was able to do anything. So it, it's definitely difficult for him to try and play a whole season. So if he feels like he needs to get some rest, then so be it. I put more onus on the league for putting the Clippers on back-to-back nationally televised games because you know he's going, he's not going to play both of them. So you're going to run the risk of which one gets benched for. So that's my personal opinion is I have no issue with load management. I think it's a good thing overall because at the end of the day, no one's going to remember this game. And yes, if you pay tickets, then it's a bummer. But at the same time, like you're going to have to run that risk of – If you're going to buy tickets for a game, there is a chance that the players most likely won't be playing unless it is a playoff game or, you know, it's early in the season or if it's like a Christmas day game where they most likely won't manage that either. So I have no issue with it. And for those that are throwing a hissy fit about it, it's like it's not your body. It's not like you don't know what someone can handle, what they can't handle. And if they weren't playing in the playoffs, then we would be bemoaning, "Oh well, why did we waste? Why did we waste the game in the regular season just for some extra income when you needed them for the playoffs?"
1: Yeah, i uh, I feel pretty similar to you. I think for me, because I'm a simpleton and I only really care about whatever is happening at the Bucks, it made things easier for the Bucks to win, and so they got the win, and I am thankful for that. So at the end of the day, uh. Th- doesn't really matter all that much to me. And even then, even without Kawhi that the Clippers gave the Bucks, everything they could handle. And we can kind of talk about how they attack the Bucks stylistically and how it seemed problematic the way it was happening. But yeah, load management really not my top concern. And whenever Giannis does it great. And if like Chris or Eric does it great, you know, I'm going to trust the coaching staff, you know, what matters most, at least in my opinion, we saw it last year with the bucks is how effective is coach bud for example in transitioning from that mindset to something where you give those guys a little bit more burn as possible in the uh, playoffs so that's that's really all I care about in terms of load management regular season it's whatever to me yeah
0: yeah I agree and with that game um, bucks did win 129 to 124 Giannis really just Doing Giannis things on a nationally televised game. He had 38 points, 16 rebounds, nine assists. Seems like he can't get a triple double. We cannot get that
1: 10th. again cannot get that 10th. Everybody goes ice cold as soon as that happens.
0: And I don't know who had the poll, but I think there's a poll of what's more like, like what's going to happen more Giannis falling out or Giannis getting a triple double. <laughs> <And> so far, <laughs> falling out is winning. <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah, it's not great. Not wonderful. <laughs> but.
0: Yeah, that's, so Giannis had a great game. Eric, once again, played pretty well. He had 20 points, six rebounds, two assists. Um, I think the big standout, other than Giannis, was George Hill, who was six of seven yes. for three. Wow. I You know, when George Hill was signed, there was definitely concerns that maybe he will not continue his play of the playoffs, but I think he's done that. I think he's already done. He's on pace to continue doing it, which is good for the Milwaukee Bucks, especially come later in the season
1: yeah he's he's I wouldn't say he's been responsible for a number of wins, but there have been plenty of games already this season where he and he alone was like the only competent ball player out with subunits at least for setting up teams and whether it be recognizing the moment where he needs to attack where if you don't have Eric out there for example or Chris is the starter who's left in with those guys chris is not technic or not really all that much of a penetrating player offensively speaking. so I think George Hill to his credit and I still. It's maybe not so much for me, and this is like me starting to slowly walk back my criticism, but um, in my opinion, it's not so much can he do these things because we did see it last year, but can he physically hold up doing this over the course of a whole season? Uh, I'd have to go real quick to his basketball reference page to see what his minute load is so far this season, but there have been multiple times where because even if it isn't just scoring – just kind of helming an offense really goes a long way to helping out. And the other guy that I would kind of circle here in this game in particular would be Brooke Lopez actually, which is pretty interesting because he was relatively quiet from the, uh, on the offensive end, but he was standout for two reasons. One, because Montrez Harrell put him and his brother into a trash can, like (laughs) every single possession down. It was ugly, not great. Uh, And again, I, I, maybe not so much blame Brooke here, but I think there were moments where you look at it, the defensive scheme, the drop scheme. I can't tell if it's him not being aggressive enough, uh, attacking whoever that this will probably be something we talk about. This is probably beating a dead horse at this point on this podcast. At least the drop scheme seems to still be, it's still in a place obviously, but, Other teams seemed to be exploiting it, and that was no different for the Clippers. Where whether it be Lou Will or whether it be Montrez Harrell and Montrez, that was it was a lot more of a traditional kind of post up game uh, or working in transition or kind of moving within the fluidity of an offense to get an open look. But there were concerns, especially kind of looking at Brook and the same thing with his brother Robin, but Robin. He might be washed, so it's whatever. I, I don't even count anything talking about might that. Be. But might be, might question mark? <laughs> Big question no, mark
0: is the question mark anymore? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it didn't help him in the Clippers game. But the the thing I want to give to Brooke as a positive is we we know him as this guy who, when it comes to rebounding, he's not really the rebounding guy. He's more so helping the team systematically get a lot of rebounds. In this one, when we when Montrezl Harrell was killing them over and over again, offensively want to give him a lot of credit because he ended up scooping up 12 rebounds uh, in the game, which uh, was higher than any total he had last season. For example, I think he had a high last season of 10 rebounds in the game. The, I don't even know if it was him just acknowledging or just he, he got in the right mindset where, okay, it's going a lot of one-on-one me versus Harold so I have to secure these rebounds, and he competently did that, and especially in the fourth quarter where it was getting really tight, and throughout the entire game, there's a lot of opportunities, and I would have to see how many offensive rebounds the Clippers got, but it felt like there were a lot of opportunities where you survived the first onslaught, and then yeah, they ended up with 14 offensive rebounds. Same for Bucks but if Brooke wasn't there to really clamp down, especially in the closing moments, to secure the rebounds and kind of help usher the team through, um, I, I you have to kind of look at it. It might have been a loss. So even though he wasn't super great defensively, he still found a way to impact, especially scooping up rebounds, which is something he doesn't do a lot, but he showed here and is something we can rely upon, hopefully heading forward as well.
0: Yeah, and this is the second game in it. Like last year, the same thing happened last year where Montrez Harrell was just destroying the Bucks left and right, and it seemed like no one had an answer for him. And I don't know. I, I mean, he is the kind of guy, and I think I'm trying to think of a – I don't think there's a player like him where his rim-rolling ability just wrecks havoc for the Milwaukee Bucks, And I, I don't think there's like a rim-rolling big to his – caliber which is weird because I would think like Clint Capella if he wasn't on Houston I think he would be another guy where his ability to roll a rim just causes issues from Milwaukee and Nerlens Noel is kind of that same guy it's just like they're kind of big they're strong you know they're still quick enough you know not like Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic where they're more big bodies like they have the speed to kind of cause issues so I props to him I mean he was he did his part and If that's going to happen, you hope that you have everyone else be able to chip in and no one else on the Clippers do it. And I think without Kawhi and Paul George, that offense is going to look a little bit different. I don't think he's going to continue having the looks that he did. Another reason why he was doing so well is because Lou Williams was also just getting buckets on his own. Him and Pat Beverly were... Once again, kind of a nuisance. I think Lou Williams had like eleven assists, which I'm pretty sure yeah, is yeah, high pretty... for Lou Williams. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's not a normal <laughs> thing that Lou Williams does. Yeah, he you still took to... twenty seven shots,
1: but yeah. you don't have to look at his basketball reference page to know that that might be a pretty high, of, quite a bit above his usual assist per game numbers on that one.
0: Yeah, it's definitely that. I think it was just more because he would just get a pick from Harrell. he would just dish it to him, and Harold just get a layup or a dunk. So again, I don't think. I mean like I said in true Lou Williams style he still got 27 shots up so you know there's things still stay the same but yeah I think the biggest thing for the Bucks was this is a potential NBA finals matchup that they're going to have to face and obviously the Clippers are going to look a lot different when you have a when you have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George out there but to know and to be able to go in on the road and win those type of games and especially for this Bucks team they gotta get they gotta get all these wins and tiebreakers as much as they can because you know when it comes to the finals they might need you know that one game or two for home court advantage and winning on the road is always big. Um, LA nightlife surprisingly did not win except against Chris Middleton, which
1: yeah, oh my. I guess God, we could have yeah. included that in the rant. I think well we, first. I think we should talk about that because uh, <laughs> I mean, wow. I don't. Okay, so I don't hold it against any of the players. We have yet to see TMZ footage come out, which is a real shame because I remember was it two, three years ago, when was Greg Monroe on the team? Three years ago, I think. Two I think ago? it was like
0: three years ago. with yeah, yeah, like yeah. Greg Monroe, Chris. I think like Miles Plumley was Miles there. Miles <laughs>
1: An all-star cast. So we have yet to see TMZ footage, but it seemed, man, I don't, I don't know where the buck stops for professional players because when you're living in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, you know, shout out Milwaukee, no big deal, but it's definitely a slightly different amenities wise to LA. You can only so, go to
0: Trinity's like you can only <laughs> go to Trinity so many times.
1: Yeah, uh, and so I understand why guys would take advantage of that, but it seemed like. Chris was like struggling to even do like basic dribble moves. It was just, it was a really strange uh, evening for him. So I don't know how much to excuse uh, a extended hangover, but, (laughs) but uh, I think we need to acknowledge that it was a uh, really quite awful game from uh, Chris and he, he, all credit to him. He kept trying to go for it. He he did not quit, but it would probably have been better for everybody involved had he, he ended up shooting three for 13, went over five from three, seven or eight from free throw line. I thought at the end of the game, That's was his game only race
0: was the free throws.
1: <laughs> I got real nervous at the end of the game because it was like, okay, are we gonna go to and Giannis to his credit? He went 14 of 18 from the free throw line, which is huge for the team. And obviously, for given the storyline around his free throw shooting, but when the end of the game came I was like, okay, do I want Giannis uh, in the clutch at the free throw line, or do I want super hungover Chris at the free throw line in the clutch?
0: And then you choose neither, and do you go with Eric Bledsoe, who had to inbound the ball to himself? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, it was. There was a lot of strange things that happened in that game. Again, it was just kind of a strange week. Like just every single. The, the, we had basketgate. We had everybody was super duper hungover. Besides Giannis in, in L.A. And George, had, George and George Hill. Maybe George Hill was yeah. still
0: drunk. Who knows? Yeah,
1: he, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> he plays better when he's under the influence, which might be the case. Who knows? Uh, yeah, I, I think the fact that you survive is really great. Uh, I'm curious if we had if Kawhi had played. I mean, we saw last year how good of a defender he is. We don't have to go into that. But so far this year, he's his assist percentage is 34.5. And so, Lou Will, actually, look, Lou Will, pretty impressive. He does average like five to six assists a game. So, shout out, Lou Will. But uh, the rate at which Kawhi is running their offense and doing it at such a high level, I, I, I would be curious seeing that matchup, which is why people are probably upset, understandably, to not see it how would he go about as the primary ball handler picking apart the bucks defense because given how cerebral he is and how good his mid range is and you know as we saw everything that he does he's really really good how would the bucks have been able to answer that and would the mid range woes that we saw have been even worse because we would have had the guy that like pioneered killing Milwaukee's mid range at least in the playoffs last year so it, you know much with, uh, for example, the uh, Minnesota game. You're happy to come away with the W, but I don't think I saw anything. Where it was like I feel really confident. Like, okay, we'll be able to even if they throw Kawhi out there. You know, maybe that moves who gets priorities in terms of like usage for the Clippers in a series. But uh, for a potential finals preview, I didn't see anything that scared me a ton. Where I'm like, oh crap, we're totally dead. I didn't see a lot either that really gave me a ton of faith. Like. The, we're going to you know, smother this team when the time comes. So it'll be interesting. I, I don't know when the next time the two play, but I really do hope we get a chance to at least see Kawhi. And who knows when Paul George comes back Oh well, how that's going to affect things. So to go in finals preview, possibly depending on how the playoffs work out, but uh, you know, good to get the W I guess you can't get ma- Can't be mad at that.
0: Yeah. And this is a game that they lost last year. So good to get the W this year. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah take whatever wins we can get and take whatever wins to stop buckswheder from self imploding on itself is, yeah, when that's going to be my mantra for the rest of the year
1: when you're on a long road trip whatever you come away with that's positive uh you just go for that like it doesn't matter you get to the last game you lose it you know as long as you did okay on the rest of the road trip you'll just take it and we'll figure it out once you get back home
0: Right. And when you're hungover, you just want to get through it as much, as fast as you can. So,
1: <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Shout out to LA nightlife. Not only did, were the players hung over for the LA game, they must, I think they probably stayed an extra night because either that, or we had the old 72 hour LA hangover heading into the jazz game. So buyers or uh, players beware heading to LA nightlife. Not only does it affect you the game uh, or the night of, it could affect you for another four to five games after that. So.
0: Yeah, I was going to say L.A. nightlife plus going to high altitude. That was We really should have seen that loss coming at Utah. <laughs> yeah,
1: and, and one more thing here before we finish up with the games. Uh, shout out to our own Gabe Stoltz. Uh, I don't know whether or not he did or did not place the wager, but he did ask us whether or not the game would get to under on 217.5 combined points from both teams in the Utah Jazz game. So, Gabe, if you're listening, we're really hoping you made the right bet or made no bet at all because, yes, we probably should have seen the fact that it was going to be a slugfest and a total slog for the Bucks in the Jazz game.
0: Hey, I did tell him go under because I didn't trust Utah's offense. I did say go under.
1: That's true. We have the receipts if people need them, but <laughs> I,
0: I, we can take your word for it. But, yeah, Gabe, also, please make it back in one piece because um, Vegas nightlife also pretty yeah yeah you
1: can uh do uh you could do some scouting around for a potential like la uh or not la las vegas nba team isn't that like one of the new target cities they got so maybe he's uh, probably he's he's doing a little bit of early research so shout out to gabe (laughs) for sure for
0: sure well we're gonna quickly go and get some ads out of the way you know appease the mothership and after that we will be back All right, so let's okay. I guess Wait, this uh, portion uh, <laughs> is whatever the hell we want is the topic. um, yep. and I know you had a West watch. I added a Brook watch. I just uh, saw just that's why I'm I laughing.
1: Wanted... I just saw it here because i I was ready to tear into West once again because that's gonna be my uh, hobby horse all season. I love the Brook watch. It's a really good addition to the uh, miscellaneous topic. So whichever one you want to start with, I am more than happy to clear the floor for you to go on Brooke, because I think it's definitely valid to bring that up if you want, but Wes is, you know, same old Wes as we've seen so far this year. Yeah. I think
0: I really quickly touch on uh, Brooke just because offensively he's been brutal in my opinion. Like it just seems like he cannot get a shot at all. I'm kind of worried that his offense is starting to not necessarily like hit midnight and turn into a pumpkin, but it <laughs> seemed like when Brooke was on the buck and it was, I think it was just kind of more of a, when Brook was on that bucks, offense was truly at its best when he's able to hit, you know, 30 foot threes hit any couple threes, open up the lanes and the threats are still there. The shots are still there. It's just not falling. And it's, kind of becoming concerning to me, especially with this contract, because the biggest reason why we thought Brook would be so important is his his offensive ability and his ability to stretch the floor is just a perfect antidote for Giannis. And I mean, I, I don't know when it's going to get to the point where teams just start sagging off and just decide, okay, you know, Brook's only going to he's regressing to 30% three-point shooter, kind of like a Joel Embiid just let him shoot it. If he hits it, fine, but we're going to take our chances. I don't know when it gets to that point, but if I were other teams, I would highly start considering it at least, or at least just give it a quarter or two. And if he starts hitting shots, he'd go back out there. But yeah, Brooks' offense has been not great. His defense, I will give props to, other than the LA Clippers game. His defense has been really good. I think he's leading the league in contested shots. Um, he's still able to put up a couple blocks. Um, so on the defensive side, while I don't think he's at his best, he's definitely holding his own and looking, you know, highly, highly effective in that end of the floor. So that's really all I had for my Brook watch. And I think that's going to be something on a monitor just because, you know, his contract is kind of the one that everyone had deemed was absolutely necessary to resign. And if his is the one, and if he's underperforming, then it's kind of, you starting to start looking, it's like, well, do we really need, like, you're on this contract for a while, and if he's not turning around, you're kind of looking at a pretty b- ugly contract that you're not going to be able to get out of.
1: Yeah, so I'm, I'm on his uh, basketball reference page right now. So just for... You know, whatever clarity's sake, or just writing down the numbers here. So, so far this season, shooting 27.7% from three, he's taking 5.2 attempts a game. Last year, he sat, shot, uh, ugh, excuse me, 36.5% from three. So, we're seeing a pretty marked decrease there. Now, the one area that I would kind of highlight, and I, I think it is valid to worry because. I wouldn't say that Brooke is a gimmick because he's done it for four seasons now of like almost four and a half to five shots, three points, three point shots a game. He's not a gimmick, but it's still something where how long can this last realistically, which I think is what you're bringing up here. But the the other area that I'm looking at right now that gives me not hope, but a, a little bit more confidence is the fact that he he seems to be getting to the line a lot more often, and that's a function of the way that the Bucks have been playing, putting him in the post um, every once in a while or, or him just kind of attacking within the flow of the offense. It's kind of weird to say he's cutting to the basket because he's 7-plus feet tall and however much he weighs. But we have seen a couple of times where when an opponent kind of gets off track a little bit and kind of loses, loses touch with him where you don't expect him in the – flow of Milwaukee's offense to go inside that gives him an easy opportunity to either follow up somebody else or kind of give somebody else an outlet. And so uh, he's upped his free throw rate from, I think it was 0.169 last year, which was a career low. And he's gotten it up to 0.273, which is 0.273 free throw attempts per shot he's taking, which is still below his career average, but it's still more than we saw last year. And so, and I think he's shooting nine percent on those as well. So we're we're seeing this slight change in the way he's playing. He's not taking as many threes as a year ago. He's shooting a little bit closer than than he did a year ago. It, I think it's a little too early to say. This is hypocritical because I'm about to go in on West Matthews here in like two seconds. But but I, I think it's fair to be concerned. But maybe I'd give it another couple of weeks just to see how he works out of it because i kind of did some plotting of his shooting last year and just like anybody else who's a shooter he goes through highs and lows and it seems like so far to start the year he's been a little low unfortunately during team usa he also did not play all super well so if you're kind of connecting the dots there i would understand uh, a little bit of concern and given how much he played last year into the playoffs and then didn't have much of a rest in the summer it wouldn't surprise me much if he's having a little bit of fatigue even to start the year so that's my conclusion yeah. to Brookwatch.
0: I, I think it's definitely something to look forward to, and you you are right. He is getting to the free throw line more, which is a good thing to see because if he's not going to hit some threes, at least try and get some free points at the free throw line. So I will let you go on Westwatch. Um, I think we're going to have to make that a new segment. Adam will have to find a way to get some, like, Robin Hood bow and arrow soundplights in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: There hasn't it's been that like... many bow and arrows. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> No, there have not, and you know what? Again, I do not want to be the guy that goes after uh, Wes because uh, I don't. That just does not. It's not what I feel comfortable doing. But I just want to put it out there for the record. Uh, we'll see. Maybe he has an awesome game tonight against OKC and makes me look like an idiot. But uh, this week against Minnesota, 22 minutes, uh, three for six from the floor, two of four from three, uh, had eight points, plus 29. So pretty good outing there. Uh, against the Clippers, he had the Tony Snell, eighteen minutes, uh, zero for two from the floor, zero points, zero rebound or one rebound, zero assists. And then in the game against the Jazz, twenty-three minutes, one of two from the floor, one of one from three, three points, one rebound, one assist. Uh, looking at his total so far, he's oh, no. uh, <laughs> well, so it, not bad. He's made 12 threes on the season, uh, and we're about, what, 10 games in. So if, if that rate keeps up, uh, it would only be the lowest total he's had since uh, his rookie year, so not great, great there. That's, but he only made 63 there, so no big deal there. And then looking through the rest of his numbers, his three-point percentage is at 32.4, so it did go up a little bit since our last week. Um, And his usage, his usage has to be like in the basement really, really low. Let me look here. It's gotta be low. It's gotta be like Tony snow level low. Well, 11%. How much was Tony was in like the single digits. Wasn't he? Probably.
0: Yeah. I can always look it up because
1: yeah, I, I, it's not all that important, but I would just say, uh, everything that I was talking about last week, uh, has not really been, uh, assuaged since then. Uh, hopefully he has a good gaming Oak against OKC, but, uh, him and Robin definitely. I mean, it's a dogfight right now for who's more washed through ten games. So, <laughs> I, I don't know. Do we have any more Robin takes at all, or is it pretty much just they washed?
0: I'm I'm saying he's washed. And also, Tony Snell had a usage of twelve point nine percent
1: last oh, year. Oh, okay. See, and so you know, should I give a shout out here? So, shout out to Old Resorter because when I when I was going in on West Matthews earlier in the week, he had some valid points where the starting lineup especially needs a Tony Snell guy. Uh, I don't disagree with that, especially with the way the other guys play and the usage, kind of the way that breaks out. The one concern I would be have is uh, we don't, we don't have to, he who shall not be named uh, initials MB. We don't have to talk about him right now, but um, m- my thing is when you replace a guy like him with a Tony Snell, that's fine. Theoretically with the starters and if all the stars are doing well, but, you're not going to have the starters out there all together all the time. And so how do you use that chess piece? If this is a guy who can't reliably up his production, once the usage rates kind of, if he's called upon. So through what is it now? 10 games total or however many we've been through still not feeling great. I'm not going to declare it a total bust, but uh West watch definitely going to be keeping on it. Cause it's not looking good right now.
0: Yeah, definitely. He's struggling and, you know, if he's going to struggle in the regular season and then show up in the playoffs, I guess that's fine as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll shut up if that's the case. If if Wes Matthews wins us a game in the finals or something, I mean, everybody, please send me all these links to these podcasts. But so far through however many games, not feeling great about that. So
0: Yeah, but I definitely think it's worth considering trying to give Sterling Brown or even Dante that starting spot. It, I don't think it's wrong to think that at the moment.
1: Yeah, I think we'll probably be a couple weeks off of that just because, you know, we'll see about how Wes's pride holds up or just kind of how the agreement worked between him and the team. But I I wouldn't be surprised if we still have him as a starter through like the first 30 games, see how it goes and then maybe make a change there. So the Wes experiment is here to stay. I'm not mad at it, but uh, yeah, definitely would be happy with somebody else uh, getting some run. So we'll see.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, looks like you have rapid fire questions for me. So I'm kind of curious where you're going to go with this. Yes. So
1: this was, so as I I love doing this, this should be another segment Riley's inside baseball on the podcast. So my inside baseball this week is as we were setting up the outline, it's kind of having difficulty thinking of a third topic to talk about. So what I came up with was just a couple of rapid fire questions, both related to basketball and not for Kyle to answer, because what else are we going to do? And bonus game you guys at home can also kind of write them down and answer along in the in whatever in your mind so so here we go uh in no particular order uh just we'll, we'll try to keep the answers as concise as possible i try to make them just yes no or just real quick so uh favorite freezy pop flavor blue okay Bucks will keep the Pacers first round pick. Right now, it's set to convey at number 17. Uh, so, by keep, I mean, will they keep it and hold on to it, or will they trade it sometime this year?
0: Um, I think they keep it. I don't think they get it this year. I don't think Indiana makes the playoffs.
1: Okay. What's the top song you have on rotation right now? Ah. Uh,
0: I think, okay, so it's going. It's called Location. It's by a British rapper named Dave. I don't know. It's really catchy. <laughs> okay, it's, so, not,
1: it's not Khalid?
0: No, surprisingly
1: not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, Okay, everybody will look that one up. Okay, Dante DiVincenzo will end the season shooting better than 36% from three. For the record, he has shot 45% so far through the season. Yes. All three veterans acquired in the offseason will be on the roster come playoff time, so that would be Wes, Robin, and Kyle Korver. All three of them? All three of them. Uh, For Just for, uh, I believe, both Wes and Kyle, because they signed one-year deals, they would have, I believe, they have a no-trade clause because of the way the CBA works, but they can trade Robin on December 15th. uh, so, (laughs) So I'm wondering who would be the most obvious candidate out of those three, but will all three be on the team still at the end of the year?
0: I'll begrudgingly say yes, even though I don't think they should like Robin and maybe Wes shouldn't be
1: okay Giannis will win the MVP this year
0: yes I've not thought of anyone else right now that could win it so yeah I'll go with Giannis
1: everybody else talking mad shit about the way James Harden and the Rockets are playing is definitely helping out the Bucks' case on that it's one it's poor so.
0: oh and I guess Indiana is currently five and four
1: and six at ease so
0: maybe they will make the playoffs so us will have that pick
1: Yes. So I meant more. So will they hold on to it or will they trade it out? So uh, I don't think they'll trade it. Yeah. Okay. No, that's an interesting take. Uh, Favorite general cuisine. So it could be, or like meal, whatever you want to go there. So something food related, your favorite, something favorite, something
0: I would go. Okay. So Latin American, if I had to be more specific, probably like Venezuelan.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Shout out. Uh, And then final question I have just thought (laughs) thinking off the top of my head, Oh, actually, I, I can think of another one as well. More valuable to this team right now, Chris or Eric?
0: I'll I'll go with Eric because if he gets injured, then you're going to have to force George Hill into a starting lineup and take on more of a load. I think Eric's defensive ability and tenacity is going to be more vital for the Bucs than Chris, who is very good, but you can somewhat try and replace Chris's production. I don't think you can replace Eric
1: Bledsoe's. Okay, uh, And then the final one that popped in my head, uh, Dragon Bender will suit up more for the Herd this year than he will suit up and be at the end of the bench for the Bucks throughout the season.
0: Oh, absolutely. He's already played That's two 100%. games for the Herd. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's he's true. already played two games for the Herd. Like, he's off to a fast start.
1: That's true, but the Herd only played 50 games, and I don't know if he'll be there all, all season he long.
0: He's he might. 100% appeared for the herd.
1: <laughs> I think he did I'd have to go back and or I'd have to go check real quick, but did he did he kill it in the first two he, games? He might have he right did pretty
0: well. I think he yeah, he averaged 19 points, had like six and a half <laughs> rebounds. Like he actually was pretty good for the herd. And I'll talk more about the herd I think later on. But okay yeah he I think him playing with the Wisconsin herd was a good thing.
1: I would tend to agree. And uh, so one more Dragon Bender question. This is who would have ever guessed we get so much Dragon Bender content but since the Herd season started it feels appropriate. Uh, and just for everybody's noting, they have beaten, they lost and then beat the Windy City Bulls in back-to-back games. They one 1-1 on the season. So my final question is, will Dragon Bender have more total minutes with the Wisconsin Herd this season than Christian Wood did last season? And for reference's sake, Christian Wood totaled nine hundred and eighty-nine minutes in twenty-eight appearances, and that averages out to thirty-five point three minutes per game. So, will Dragan have more minutes as a herd player than Christian Wood did last year?
0: I'm going to say no, not necessarily, because I feel like when Christian Wood was down there, he was playing nearly the whole game. <laughs> yeah, he was. While yes, with he was. Dragan Bender, he's—I mean, he's still averaging like twenty. I think it, I think it was like thirty minutes or something. So he's still getting a good run, but. I just think when Christian Wood was there, he was play start to finish nearly. So no.
1: Okay, wonderful. And that's the that's the end of this week's rapid fire question segment. Uh, thanks I'll for have to think of the questions
0: for you next week then.
1: Yeah, yeah, we can keep swapping off. I'm down with that. So cool. Thanks the for else, being a good sport.
0: I like it. I like it. And the final topic um, is more of our miscellaneous. Um, so we got pen reviews. We got what we're reading. We got a film review. We got the upcoming week. I am going to touch, uh, you kind of mentioned the Wisconsin Herd, so I just want to elaborate a little bit more on that. They lost that home to the Winded City Bulls, but then won on the road. So, not bad, I guess. Being in the Winded City Bulls is always huge. Um, out of the players, looking at the box score, it looks like Cam Reynolds. He He's one of the two-way players. I didn't know exactly what he brought to the table, but it seems like his best skill is he's going to shoot the ball. He's yeah. going to shoot it. He was 3 of 5 from 3 uh yesterday and i think in the first game he took like 11 three pointers which holy crap when you're in the g league i guess fire it up but he just looked pretty good um someone that i definitely wanted to keep an eye on again, Dragan bender played pretty well i think he I think yesterday he had like 18 points um luke may is still on the roster he took 10 shots yesterday. Is What he's,
1: doing he's getting buckets sir uh,
0: he took 10 shots and i don't know who gave luke may green light to take 10 shots Dots, but whatever works. That was the second it was the third most on on the team. That's an issue. Somehow they got that game. Not wonderful. (laughs) But yeah, so Wisconsin Herd one in one week. Uh good to have them back. I if you're in the Fox Valley area, I strongly recommend going to Wisconsin Herd game. I have not been able to, but kind of seeing the arena. It's it's like the arena is new and it's a good spot for a G League team. It seems like this year at least, they're gonna I think they're gonna get more of the players involved. Which I think is pretty cool, especially if you saw the video that they had, um, kind of like their preseason one. And um, I'm just saying they had the 90s Bucks jersey, but in her style. And oh, man, I need to know when that game is. And I, if there's a silent, I might have to buy that jersey.
1: I so I also have a couple of hurt takes, and I should preface this by saying I only watched the first half of the season opener against the Windy City Bulls, so all of this is like <laughs> with a very small sample size. So first, to the jerseys, I would be totally down if they didn't have the giant BMO uh, logo right on the stomach. Uh, I know that's that's, that's not atypical in like European leagues, for example, but uh, I I just think. They're not the best design, but you are right that it is pretty slick with the multiple deers. So nothing wrong there. Uh the the other guy, so you're right that Cam Reynolds, I'm I've been pretty impressed with the way that he plays just because it seems like he has a pretty versatile offensive game, at least in the first half I saw. You know, he's willing to take threes, no problem there, make him in a pretty decent clip. And and he has a mid-range game, whether it be like doing turnaround jumpers off the baseline, for example, I saw. He had a couple of nice takes inside, so I impressed with him offensively. The other guy, uh, especially in the first half, and I think he followed up pretty well in last night's game as well against the Bulls was DJ Hogue. I did find out it's not Hog as <laughs> as much you as I wanted to say Hog. I, I think it would be Hog, but I found out it's Hogue. Uh, he seems like, I mean, the start of the year, the dude is on fire offensively. I think he ended up having 20 some points in the first game. I don't know how he followed up, but he led the team in scoring, at least in the first half yesterday. And so he's an interesting guy. And so is Jamario Jones, who cannot, I don't know if he just is allergic to shooting, but this dude scoops up. He's a God when it comes to rebounding in the G league, <laughs> like he'll play yeah, he had 17 rebounds last game. <laughs> And he's not even like a really huge, like physically imposing player. So I don't know how he does it, but he's, he's an impressive kind of not oddity because that's, you know, that's what I mean to say about a guy who does that, but he is obviously very, very good at that one skill. So I I think there is a lot, at least early in the season, there are a lot of guys on the team between the two way guys, between Dragon being there and even the, Non like two way, but just sort of G League affiliated players. There seems to be a lot of different guys you can kind of look at and say, "Oh, he's kind of interesting. He kind of does this this, this thing interestingly." So uh definitely tune into herd Games. I also have never been to a game, but I, I would like to go just because it seems like it's tough to have a bad seat in that uh kind of smaller arena. So
0: yeah, definitely not a bad seat as long as you are. Yeah, because it's pretty much just it's kind of like a high school. Set up where you only have like the sidelines. You don't really have the behind the basket um, seats. I think there are seats available, but most of it's going to be on the sideline. But yeah, uh DJ Hogue had six points and five rebounds to assist. So kind of uh, a okay, quieter game. I
1: was, just, I was just joking about that. Clearly it didn't actually look the box. Door, but he was impressive in the first game. So <laughs> let's just yeah maybe just a second. Well,
0: it seemed like he didn't play that. They went pretty starter heavy and especially um, and his role is kind of tough for him to really get much of a chance, but yeah, the herd play Wednesday against the capital city, go, go, which awesome name. And then Friday against the Raptors nine Oh five. And both games are in Oshkosh. So if you have a chance, go check them out. Cause I think tickets are probably pretty cheap. So that's what we got courtside (laughs) courtside
1: tickets 88 bucks just saying (laughs) if you really want to do a courtside game with sort of like it's professional that is the one to go to so make it happen if you're really into that
0: for sure all right i don't know what else we got for miscellaneous um let's go with what what are you reading riley what are you reading because it looks like you have a couple books listed on here
1: so we should we should preface this by saying i put out a poll midweek asking if anybody because last week we talked about obviously a lot of non-basketball things, so I want to see if anybody wanted to follow up. We had 17 votes, so unfortunately for all you people listening, those 17 voters are dictating what's happening here. So what am I reading? I'm reading Anna Karenina by Leo Tolstoy. It's uh, my first foray into Russian literature and something I had wanted to do for a long, long time. I didn't want to go for War and Peace because I had read a similar-ish book that was kind of based in the Second World War, so I was like, let's get a little break from that. Been good so far. There's a reason Tolstoy is a very well-known writer. He, uh, the pacing and the prose holds up over a century plus later. So uh, shout out Tolstoy, pretty good writer. Other book I'm reading is called The Habsburg Empire by Peter Judson, who I believe is a Dutch historian. Uh, one of those types of books where you really need to be interested in the subject matter to find it interesting, luckily for me. Uh, I do so it's not nearly as much of a slog but if I did not care whatsoever about the Habsburgs or Austria-Hungary it would be (laughs) the most plain boring book I've ever read so uh, definitely would not suggest that one unless you're really into the topic otherwise uh, Anna Karenina shout out definitely go for it you can find it I think free online or a lot of different publishers do uh, pretty cheap reprints of it so find it if you got it how about you Kyle are you reading anything right now Kind of. So
0: I have a book. It's called The Expected Father, which for any upcoming dads out there, I would strongly recommend that book. So it kind of goes through like each month of the pregnancy and it kind of has like in the beginning blurb talks about like, okay, so what's going on with like the baby and then what's going on with the mother like what are some things that she's going through physically? What are some things she's possibly going through emotionally? And then it kind of talks about what you would most likely go through. So it's kind of a more like, a book that's approached for dads, which I really liked because I mean, most of the literature that you see out there rightfully so is geared towards the mother. So then to have like a book that focuses on the father and it kind of talks about miscellaneous things like when you should tell family what you should do for work, um, you know, dishes that you can make, uh, how to save money and explains kind of like a five twenty nine plan, which is kind of like a kid's college fund. So it's, Got a lot more information than I think people would give it credit for. So anyone that's going to be a dad out there, I would say the expected father. I forgot who wrote the book and I'm too far away.
1: (laughs) Just take a little look off of something. I like the idea of, and it doesn't have to be like a parenting or being a dad for dummies, but the ability to have a resource like that where you're not going you know, in this internet age of ours where you could go to WebMD for everything to have something that's kind of a one-stop guide for a lot of different things that covers n- not even non-traditional aspects, but kind of areas that may be, at least for expected fa- expectant fathers in the past, not sure, not not taboo per se, but just wasn't talked about all that much. So I, I, I appreciate that such a book exists.
0: Yes, and it's, bo- it's written by Armin Brott, B-R-O-T-T-E-N. Okay. It's pretty much one of the like bestsellers out there for, and like I said, especially for a, if you're an expected father, it's definitely helpful to get a book that's more kind of in that mindset because a lot of it does talk about like how sometimes you feel isolated because everyone's going to be asking the mom how she's doing and asking how she's feeling, and no one really ask you how you're feeling, and it's kind of like it's okay that's going to be expected. So, if, and then like I said, kind of breaks down month by month what's going on. So I think I, I still got to read month six. So. Yeah, that is what I'm reading currently.
1: Okay. And I I,
0: found a book series that's gotten me gripped. Like, other than the Cormorant Strike series by J.K. Rowling, and she just released her fourth book like a year ago, so I'm kind of waiting for the next one.
1: We could start our own. Like, you know how Epe Udo has a a book club, club? right? Yeah, that's like his thing. I know I've seen the download numbers. There are people out there who do listen to us, and I'm not sure if The Expectant Father is the book club book we want to start with it might be i don't
0: think so unless there's a yeah. lot more than i'm aware of but yeah
1: no i'm thinking i'm thinking that's probably not the one we would start with but uh for sure if anybody's interested in the old brew Hoop podcast book club <laughs> i'm sorry adam i'm sorry if you're listening to this on, on your <laughs> island and you're like what the hell is happening but uh i leave for a couple of weeks and this is what happens <laughs> yeah we set up a book club uh i have in here as well kyle's film review now i have this written down because <laughs> Last week, you gave us a really, I mean, how else can we say it? It was the most succinct and yet apt and valid description of movie ever when you when you reviewed 300, Rise of the Vampire as, and <laughs> I quote, terrible. So did you have any movies this week that you wanted to review or had any takes on?
0: Um, No movies this week. Um, It was kind of a hectic week. I started a new job, so I didn't really get to sit down and watch a movie. But – I have been watching The Great British Bake Off.
1: Yeah, And I was
0: very, I was not a big fan of it when Emma started watching it. I was like, this seems really boring. I don't understand the appeal. I was definitely not a fan of it, but I sat down and watched the season. And and it really is very calming, and yet it's still kind of good. And I I just like it because it's, even though everything seems very high and stressful, it's just, it still makes it feel like everything's under control and it's calm and, Depending on the contestants on there, there's definitely some personalities that are they they make the show. I think it's it's only as good as the contestants that are in it. But it's a Great British Bake Off would recommend it's on Netflix.
1: Okay, well, but just, how do you feel about Paul Hollywood? I think this is this is really necessary. So he's like, for those who don't know, uh, and I, he is Paul, right? That's his name, Paul Hollywood. Yeah, Paul Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Sure. <laughs> We're starting off on a really bad foot because I think his last name, I'm assuming he changed it to Hollywood. I could be 100% wrong, but I'm guessing that's the case. And so he's like your typical strict British guy who's, he's not even all that mean. Like it's, it's not like a uh, master chef or whatever show. Yeah. It's not show. like Gordon
0: Ramsey or Simon yeah, Cowell. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah
1: but he's like, he's like, he's yeah. like discount version of that where he's not super mean, but he's like the critical guy essentially. So how do you feel about Paul Hollywood or Mary Berry? How do you feel about either of them?
0: So, I started at the later season. So, Mary Barry, I have not watched a season with Mary Barry. Oh, I forgot so she's so off the show. Fun. Okay. Yeah. yeah they kind of got rid of, yeah, she's gone and she's all up on the paint. They got rid
1: of her. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, they brought in Prue who kind of fills in that same role. It's kind of more the gentle, not really as harsh. It's kind of funny, though, with Paul. I don't mind him, but it definitely feels like he has more. It's like kind of a subtle diss. Like he'll just insult you and be like, yeah, it's fine. Like it looks <laughs> terrible, but it tastes good. It's like, thanks?
1: <laughs> Question mark. He, he's he's the professional of praising, or was it as a praising? It's a backhanded compliment. He's great yes, yeah, 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 It's uh, he's an interesting character. But I I would agree. I don't watch TV pretty much at all, or movies at all. But I would definitely second Kyle's uh, recommendation for Great British Bake Off. It it is relaxing, and if you like pastries, uh, I mean maybe if you're gluten intolerant don't launch it that would be the only person i would say no but otherwise it it, everything looks delicious for the most part it's it's not like a competition where like this person just straight up sucks for the most part so most of them are pretty good as well it is good
0: yeah like none of them are really professional bakers. like they're just doing this in their spare time so that makes it even more impressive And some of the challenges they have to do it's like i can't even do that if i had a whole day they're supposed to be making like these like intricate like beautiful style like show stopping breads in five hours it's like how how can you and sometimes it's it's kind of amazing what they can do
1: would you if i was gonna try and shoehorn a robin lopez connection here but i'm gonna guess not i, I was gonna guess, say if anybody on the on the show resembles robin lopez but that's probably a little too too wide too obscure so we'll, we'll tackle that i do no, i'd say oh here we think go. Of
0: who i'm trying guess, to think of if there's a bus player who
1: I can easily see. I
0: honestly, I could see like Dragon Bender being on that show. I I can see Dragon being on
1: that show. He would be interesting just because he would obviously tower over literally everybody on on the show. And (laughs) so would they? Would people be scared? Like we can't really talk mess about this dude's baking because he might just kill us all right here. (laughs) It would be awesome if we found out that Dragon was like a really big baker though in his free time. So Dragon, if you're listening, let your PR people know that we would love to know you're a baker. Get let everybody know your secret,
0: please. Or the one dude that said Dragon better was going to be an all star, who's probably hate listening to this and waited to criticize me. If you could let him know as well,
1: that'd be great. Kyle's DMs are still open, guy. He's <laughs> they are open. Go for it.
0: Unfortunately, they are. <laughs> but I think for the last thing, um, did you have a pen for us?
1: Uh, so this one's gonna be real quick. I I know pre- people are probably tuning out at this point, uh, rightfully That's fine. So. <laughs> so. Or they're tuning it, or they yes. fast forward
0: it to this part because like this yes. is what we care about.
1: So yeah, because that for whatever reason six people voted for it. So the pen review this week, I had uh, received my diplomat traveler uh, last week. I had just gotten it the day before we recorded, so I didn't have a full opinion. It is a medium nib. So for those who don't know, um, medium it's exactly what you would describe it it's kind of medium thickness of the lines i wouldn't be able to give you a millimeter point but it lays down the ink a little bit thicker than like a fine or an extra fine or for example a broad nib so the one that i ordered had a medium love it i mean i i ordered a pilot metropolitan a couple of weeks beforehand that's okay for like getting into the hobby but this one it, it it lays the ink down thick, which I was a little worried about. But the paper that I use, which is Leuchtturm, uh 1917 Journal Paper, really absorbs and takes the fountain pen ink that I got. And I, I got Mount Monteverde uh, Joy Sepia, which is kind of like a brownish ink. Could not be happier with the purchase. So if, if shout out to my, <laughs> I think Bob to the Bone at Bob. I don't think he's at Bob to the Bone, but that he's on Twitter. He he also is a pen guy. So I told you there are fountain pen people who listen. Shout out to that guy. If you are into fountain pens, I was skeptical because I usually write with a pretty small script for going for a medium nib. Really happy with the purchase. So Diplomat Traveler. Only downside is you can't post, aka put the cap on the back end, all that reliably. But other than that, I've been really happy with it. So that is my pen review. I would give it a eight to nine out of ten. Uh, if you ask me for a scale. Oh dang! Nice. It's good. It's good. <laughs> all right. Oof.
0: But yeah. otherwise, uh, for the last thing, I guess um, we can talk about the upcoming schedule. Not that many games. So Thursday, they host the Chicago Bulls. And then Saturday, they will be at Indiana. I'm going 2-0 because there's no way the Bucks are losing to the Bulls at home. And I think with Indiana, I just think it's going to be kind of a case of the Bucks are just a better team and just have better players but I cannot wait for all the rocket takes on Saturday. And I'm, I might have to tell Mitchell. I'm not tweeting that. I'll tweet Thursday, but I'm not tweeting Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) I I might have to avoid Twitter in general that day.
1: Okay. So I, mm, this is tough because Indiana is rounding a little bit into form. uh, After dropping a couple of their first games, I will go one in one. And, he who shall not be named. I'm going to try and go the rest of the podcast without saying his name because I know it upsets people. I think he might have a triple double and I cannot wait for then. It's going to be something like Wes is going to give the old Tony Snell treatment, or Chris is going to have like a, he's going to have like his, one of his negative Chris games and it's going to be like all hell breaks loose. So I, I will go one in one. Uh, I too am not really all worried about that Bulls because the Bulls because it looks like they might be awful. Uh, he shall not be named. You are correct. It will be maybe the most important game of the season. And my only question before you finish the podcast, were before the OKC game, the two storylines this season so far have been whether or not Chris Paul is going to get to the Bucks because he expressed interest to somebody apparently through well, uh, according. He to said David.
0: yes, I would like to play for the Bucks. Well, yes. Yeah. Duh. Yep.
1: Yep. So Chris Paul. Prior to the OKC game, who do you think will have a more impressive stat line, Chris Paul or he who shall not be named uh, in next Saturday's game?
0: Oh, I'm going to go with he who shall not be named because he will have <laughs> the ball more. And <laughs> yeah, I'll go with him. <laughs> okay, I
1: would go with him as well, even though I do fully anticipate Chris Paul also putting up a triple-double. and would be like, this is my audition. I'm coming to Milwaukee, baby. I'm <laughs> <laughs> going for it, and people are going to love it. They're going to eat it up. So sh- shout-out to Chris Paul. Shout-out to he who shall not be named. Uh, and also shout-out to Eric Bledsoe playing well lately, making it easier for us to not have to contemplate a future where we're paying Chris Paul $50 bazillion to be resting because of a hamstring injury. Uh, yeah, for sure.
0: Oh yeah. I forgot. You could have your moment of glory for the Minnesota Minnesota golden gophers. I'll begrudgingly give it to you.
1: (sighs) Thank you. It was a big win. And so I live just a little bit off of campus. I, I actually run past and I can, I can't really make out TCF bank stadium from here, but close enough that I can hear it. I did not go to the game because, uh, just didn't feel like going to the game. I have fallen off of my football fandom, both with the Gophers slash, uh, you know, whenever I would watch the Packers, but for being uh, a guy who went to Minnesota and got ragged on by everybody back home because I went to Minnesota and, you know, the difference between somebody who went to Madison and Minnesota is they both got into Minnesota, (laughs) ha, 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 ha. And so I've been building up all this, not hatred per se, but, Th- this sort of chip on my shoulder, like, yeah, I went to Minnesota, and I really enjoyed it, and I loved the U. I uh, didn't love how expensive it was, but that's college for you. And yep. <laughs> so to uh, to have seen this stupid program, which sucked for the majority of the time that I was at there, uh, come through with that big of a win, beat the expectations for the first time in Lord knows how long. Uh, I-, I would still say for me personally, beating Wisconsin last year was sweeter just because yeah, it that had been like – <laughs> literally like 14 years. Yeah. <laughs> so in both cases, I mean, historic for both seasons, we'll see how the rest of the season goes, but uh, I would like to say sky, to all my Minnesota people who are listening again, there has to be one of you. There's enough people listening. There has to be one other of you. Uh, big win. Really glad for the team. Glad for the fans, everybody who has have to trudge through like since the sixties, the team has just been awful. Uh, pretty exciting stuff. So I, I, I am excited, especially to see how the Wisconsin game goes, because for them to somehow have a chance at maybe getting the Big Ten West uh, title and then a chance to get totally stomped by Ohio I was State gonna is say, exciting. And then get crushed yeah. by Chase Young. <laughs> but it, but it's exciting. It's exciting. So it, it's super cool.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, Minnesota's got kind of a tough last three games. I mean, they got Northwestern, which should be a cakewalk, but at Iowa, which is only tough, and then home against Wisconsin. And, I mean, if they win... One of those games, if they win one of the games between Iowa or Wisconsin, they'll make it to the big, they'll make it to the championship, right? I think yeah, that's how it yeah, goes.
1: Yeah, I think, I, I believe so. So it's, it is theirs to lose, which, uh, you know, same old Gophers, that could be the way it goes, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. So super exciting. Uh, if you are a disbeliever, you might be right because I don't follow football close enough to know whether or not you are not right or not, but, uh, <laughs> but if at least for up until next week, you have to be quiet. So,
0: Yep, that's fair. I big play at the end. Good on the Gophers. I will vomit later, but shout out to Liverpool <laughs> for beating Manchester City. Yeah, that was great as well. Big free one win to get themselves eight points ahead of every other team in the league. And if only. Congrats Rich on your title! Right now. Yeah, congrats. Yeah, on I'm your not title going cause... that far yet. <laughs> <laughs> not going that far yet, but that was a huge win. Manchester City probably is one of the most talented teams in the world and they have the money to spend like none other so to beat them granted it was at home where they are unbeaten like three years so i'll still take it it was still a great win yeah good weekend for us good weekend for us
1: good weekend <laughs> yeah really good weekend so this bucks don't screw it up two hours from now when we're done recording by losing to the thunder that's all yeah. we ask yeah. that's really all we ask <laughs>
0: But otherwise, um, I think that's all we got. So thank you for listening as always. Um, be sure to like, subscribe, share it with your friends, keep following our ridiculous polls. I think Adam will be back next week. Who knows? We'll see. If he's still stranded on an island, we'll we're gonna continue doing the miscellaneous stuff anyway, whether he comes back or not. So
1: yeah, we'll just have <laughs> a third person for some we'll just have more Dante content. That'll be really the difference when comes back is a lot more Dante content, which is what the people I'm sure are begging for. So look forward to that.
0: It's really the backbone of the podcast. Yes, it is.
1: That's why content. it's why we started the podcast. So
0: that's true. <laughs> but thanks again for listening and we will catch you next week.
1: On the streets of old Milwaukee was a young boy walking.